Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to Purple Daily. Halfway through uh, the grind to week two, Vikings against Colts. And we're going to check in on the status and the state of our quarterback here in the Twin Cities, Kirk Cousins, a state of Kirk Cousins address and a breakdown, plus our weekly pigskin pecking order making its return and migrating from Mackey and Judd to Purple Daily. But uh, I, I, I thought I sent something refreshing in the air, Declan Goff. Yeah, it's Corona Hard Seltzer, and I, I think Kirk Cousins maybe uh, could use one of those after uh, the Vikings uh, beating on week one and maybe going into week two against the Colts. Yeah. Ordinarily, they would be celebratory, but I think sure. Corona Hard Seltzer can uh, can be multifaceted and, in that And way. that's the best thing. Whether you're sad or whether you're happy, you can celebrate with a Corona Hard Seltzer. That's mango, that's lime, that's black cherry. It's there, There's plenty of options for you this month and every month every, uh, throughout the year. Discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a taste spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment in each can. Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. Welcome into the show. Purple Daily, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Declan Goff producing here. And we figure it makes sense once a week to just do a little check-in on uh, our thoughts on the starting quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. I went and looked at the pro football focus data, and he was the fourth-rated quarterback of all the quarterbacks that played in the first week. So, yeah, he threw that pretty bad interception, and uh, and he'd like to have that one back on that throw to Thielen that he just threw a little bit too far to the inside shoulder. But for the most part... You know, Kirk didn't really get that many snaps in the first half. Uh, he made a couple good plays with his legs and then made some good throws as the Vikings defense was just a sieve. Kirk Cousins did what he could to try and dig out of that hole. But um, ultimately, as a team, not enough to to win the game. I don't think either one of us really pinned anything of significance on Kirk Cousins. But as we dive into this episode of Purple Daily and the state of Kirk Cousins, Judd Zolgay, where do you want to start here? What are your, what are your thoughts and impressions after watching him in week one? Um... Hmm. I'd like to start here. I think that the key to this entire game is the fact that offensively it's very difficult to judge the Vikings based on the thing that you mentioned is how few snaps that Kirk Cousins and the offense as a whole actually had. And uh, we really didn't see anything from the offense when it mattered because 
it mattered for such a short period of time as far as the Packers starting to pull away in that game. Offensively, there's two key plays. I think one is the safety. We can go back and forth on Cousins' responsibility for that. Uh, Two is the pick. But once the Packers scored to go up, I think it was, what, 22 to 10 or something like that at the end of the first half when Valdez Scantling caught the 45-yard touchdown pass from Rodgers. The game was basically done. And the reason why I can't put any credence into what Cousins and the offense did in the second half is they always followed up Packer touchdowns with their own. So my question becomes, okay, if the Packers hadn't scored and had been held by the defense, which they should have been, but they weren't, and then Cousins is chasing the game, but there's a realistic chance to chase down that score, and then he does what he did, then I'm impressed. But when you're always coming back on the field after you've given up a touchdown or your defense has, and then you score, it's like, yeah, there's no pressure here. So I really find it hard and difficult to grade Cousins or the offense completely at all for Sunday uh, based on the fact that that game really felt, to a large extent, Phil, like it was done at halftime. Actually, you know what that, that game reminded me of? Remember when, I think it was Kirk Cousins' first year, early in the season, week two, I just pulled it up here, they go into Lambeau Field, and the Vikings fall behind in that game. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I just want to see one. what the game flow is here because it, it kind of reminded me of that. A Packers little bit. got off to a substantial lead. Yeah, the Packers are up twenty to seven, early part of the third quarter, and then Kirk Cousins goes bonkers. He finds Stefan Diggs for a couple touchdowns, including the seventy-five yarder down across the middle, and the Vikings come all the way back. They tie the game with thirty seconds to go. And if I remember right, so they went for two, but at some point, didn't Daniel Carlson miss a kick? Some, something happened. I don't remember exactly what. I think they but, could have come back and won it, and he missed the kick um, at the end of the fourth quarter. Well, or OT. Like, and he missed like four kicks. Yeah, he game. did, but but the, he missed one. I think he missed one in overtime that could have won the game, and he missed right. that one. I think that was his. That's I think right. it was three misses, and I think that was his third and final miss. They mm-hmm. did go to overtime in that game. And, and yeah, but Kirk statistically in the second half of that game went bonkers. You're right. Daniel Carlson, here it was. All right. Well, look at us. Field trap memories. Four seconds left. Daniel Carlson missed a 35-yard field goal that would have won that game, and it would have changed the narrative of Kirk Cousins in that spot because – he goes on the road. It's a divisional game. It's all the things that, like, winning opponent. Yeah. It's all the things that he gets ripped for. And Daniel Carlson misses a 35-yarder. And so in that instance, he deserves a ton of credit. 2018, bringing a team from behind, playing really well in the second half, finding his weapons, et cetera, and then something else happens that's out of his control. It felt a little bit like that where he he made some plays that ordinarily would have brought the Vikings back in if it was a normal Mike Zimmer in Vikings defense. and 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 he should deserve credit for that. But at the same time, the game flow, because the defense was so bad, yep. the game flow and and the Packers' defensive strategy sort of dictated that they were just playing no doubles defense, right? Like if it was a baseball outfield, yeah, we're going to pre- play back on the warning track yes. and we're not going to let anything too crazy happen here. Yep. So he did what he was supposed to do, and the Packers did what they were supposed to do by just sort of uh, you know allowing the Vikings to gain some yardage in the second half. But the point I want to make here about Cousins is more of a referendum on quarterbacking in the NFL right now. And so this isn't necessarily specific to Cousins, but it affects Kirk Cousins and and the perception of him. When you look at the two or three best quarterbacks in the NFL now compared to like 10 or 15 years ago, the profile of what those guys are capable of doing is far different. It used to be that guys who could stand in the pocket and throw lasers all over the field, the guys who would take the snap, they were they were 
they were basically conducting an orchestra, right? Mm-hmm. But they were standing in a protective pocket. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, even Brett Favre in the early part of the 2000s with the Vikings in 2009. And those guys would once in a while make a play with their legs, but their job, and, and they were the top quarterbacks in the NFL, their job was to sit back, offensive line, protect for a couple seconds, and throw darts and dimes all over the field, right? And that's what, when you ranked the top quarterbacks in the NFL and when you were picking in your fantasy leagues, the guys that would go at the top were the guys that could sit there and throw for 4,000 yards and pick apart defenses. And if you can, and if you squint, you can actually see sort of the, the profile of Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning or you know Tom Brady from 10 years ago, but like that's what Kirk Cousins is. He's a pocket passer who has a, a beautiful deep ball, can make a play once in a while with his legs, but but you can sort of see him on the periphery of that group of of good dart throwing pocket passers. And now you look at the top quarterbacks in the NFL and also what they get paid, and it's not enough to just sit in the pocket. It's just not. Like, Russell Wilson is making plays all over the place. It's not that he's running for 1,000 yards like Lamar Jackson, but he's using his legs to improvise, to stay alive behind the line of scrimmage. Pat Mahomes, mobile. Lamar Jackson, one of the most mobile, skilled quarterbacks ever. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, what he did on the road against San Francisco, ran for 93 yards. And so I think when we talk about the state of Kirk Cousins and the state of of his play and and what he's capable of, his ceiling is always going to be capped well below the ceilings of some of these other quarterbacks. And so for the Vikings to have the best chance, like he has to be performing near the top of his physical and and mental and football IQ capabilities for them to go out and win 9, 10, 11, 12 games and compete for the playoffs because he's on a big contract and he's not capable of running for 93 yards and he's not capable of keeping plays alive like Russell Wilson does. And so my evaluation of Kirk, I'm, I'm probably going to be harder on him and the franchise this season because look at the other quarterbacks and what they're capable of doing around the league right now. Kirk isn't capable of doing some of those things, so he has to max out the other skill sets that he has. Yeah, and and the problem is that this game was so weird that it's hard to judge. First seven Vikings drives of this game, so at the time that the game was in question, and I'm not even blaming this all on Kirk, okay? But it's just the it's the statistical facts of Sunday's game. Four of eight, 66 yards, a key pick. The last, um, what, three or four drives when, when the game, when the Vikings would get the ball back, but they had just given up a touchdown, and then they were trying to come back. 15 of 17, 193 yards, two touchdowns. This is not to assess blame. It's to say, I don't know, and, and I will, I'll take the state of Kirk and expand this also to the 2020 state of the Vikings offense in its totality. I can't tell you a lot yet, because it definitely has some different pieces. Stephon Diggs is gone. Uh, Jefferson is now in. Irv Smith should have been playing more. I don't get why, and we've talked about this before on Purple Daily this week, why he wasn't targeted more. All of those things being said, if you were to ask me for a grade, it's an incomplete now because that game was so weird. The flow of that game was odd. The Vikings defense was surprisingly so terrible that I I don't think that there is an honest way to say, here is what I learned about Cousins 2020 or the offense as a whole. And to your point, I would say this off your QB point, because I agree with the point completely. Um, I believe that in the last 20 years that you could have make a case that the two positions in sports that have changed the most, and they're incredibly important positions, point guard in basketball, quarterback in football. 
Because you think about what what you grew up with or what I saw. When Stefan Marbury was drafted, right, the point guard had a very important role, and he was a key player, but it was a much different role than today's game. So I really think the it's the evolution of those positions. And it doesn't mean that, that the Rubios or Cousins, who were very good back in the day at, at those positions, aren't still good, but... I think what you're saying is they don't necessarily fulfill what the expectation of that position is today, and it's a really interesting dynamic because there is no question it has changed in a huge way. Yeah, there's almost you know there's almost two categories, and it's it's not quite. I would say the two categories are if you can simplify it, quarterbacks that can use their legs as weapons, whether it's running for a hundred yards or whether it's just like what Russell Wilson does, and quarterbacks who can't. Not that they can't ever use their legs as weapons, because I would put Kirk Cousins in the, you're not really using your legs as weapons. And also, like, sometimes you're open to run for 15 yards, or, you know, the first the, the first series for the Vikings this last weekend, he uh, he darts from the pocket, stays behind the line of scrimmage. But but if we could put two quarterbacks in, the, in, in bin one or bin two, guys who regularly use their legs as weapons and guys who don't, Let's take away the bin one quarterbacks for a second, okay? Let's identify them first. You tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. So Lamar Jackson very much uses his legs as weapons. Mahomes. Mahomes. Now, Jackson runs for more yardage, but Mahomes is very mobile and improvising. They scare you in that context. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, legs as weapons. uh, Carson Wentz, I would put in legs as weapons. He he ran for like 300 yards last year. Um, Deshaun Watson. Mm Mm-hmm. Do we do we put Rodgers in that bin? He used to be in that bin. He's not. Yeah. He's not in that bin now, though. He okay. he doesn't scare you. Right. Like Andrew Luck was in that bin. Right. Rodgers used to be in that bin. I don't um, think he is anymore. He took himself out. Josh. I mean, Josh Allen does run all over the Josh. Place. Josh Allen's yeah, in that one. bin. That's yep. a perfect one. Kyler Murray's in that bin. Yep. Dak Prescott is. I would say Dak Prescott's probably in that bin, but he's kind of borderline. Um, Teddy Bridgewater not in that bin. Matt Stafford not in that bin. Ryan Tannehill can move a little bit, but yeah, I wouldn't say he scares me. But like, but so Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, let's see here, um, Jake Allen. J- yeah, wait, Jake Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> Josh Allen. He's a goaltender that he, uses his legs. Yeah. He just got traded to Montreal. <laughs> he got traded to the Canadians. He's out of the conference. But, I'm very happy. So here's my Josh question, Allen. okay? When you look at the other bins, so yeah. these are like the pocket passers who aren't going to use their legs as weapons. And again, there's there's some gray area here. but So old Drew Brees, old Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Big Ben, that group of guys, Aaron Rodgers. Where does Kirk Cousins rank in that group? It's pretty high. It's like it's like borderline top three. Philip Rivers is in that group. He ain't outrunning anything. No, Philip Rivers. Yeah, uh, Roger. So Rogers. Baker Mayfield runs a little bit, but he's not. But he's you know. Um, yeah. He, yeah. No. No. Right. No. Rogers is Teddy. is ahead of Cousins. For Jared sure. Goff. Yeah. Is Jared Goff? I, I'm I'm saying if so. Here's my grand point. If you if you just take what used to be the standard quarterback, and a lot, a lot of this was too, like black quarterbacks didn't have much of a chance for decades to even prove themselves on the level that they prove themselves now. And so there's been just a, a gate opening for more black quarterbacks to come in. And obviously the mobility of Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson is very evident. 
So you're just seeing you're you're seeing more mobile quarterbacks come into the NFL. Sure. But if you just take the statue quarterbacks that we've seen in the past and rank Kirk Cousins, he's pretty darn high up on that list. Um but he can't use his legs as 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 weapons like some of these like like Josh Allen. Like he can't use his legs the way that these guys can. So um that's his that's his glass ceiling for me. But it's an interesting exercise. I so. I think the state of Kirk Cousins 2020 through one game and the grand point of what he needs to do for this team, to me, an incomplete. I really do. Because it's not... Look, there are a couple plays that I think we could definitely go back and dissect that he did or didn't make on Sunday that probably were pivotal and key. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that loss, and I, I think we've agreed on it since the game got done, that loss was so much on the defense that it's really hard to then be like, yeah, but Cousins did this. Okay, yeah, the pick hurt, the the, uh, safety sack definitely hurt. But when your defense is that big of sieve and gets no pressure on a Hall of Fame quarterback, it's really hard to come back, I think, at your quarterback and be like, well, if you had just done these three things. I I don't think there was anything from that game, uh, Vikings perspective, defensively, that was saving them. No, there was not. Like, no one was going to ride <laughs> along, come in, and be like, I am going to throw a touchdown pass on every single yeah. possession. And one more note on this, and we'll get to our pigskin packing order. You know, there's there's a lot of games. The Vikings play a lot of really good quarterbacks this year. And if you just look at quarterback versus quarterback, you know, who do you take, tail the tape? The, at least half the games, you're probably going to take the opposing quarterback because the Vikings play so many of them. You're going to take, probably going to take Russell Wilson. You're probably going to take Deshaun Watson. You have to say probably. I'm just saying, like <laughs> you don't, you don't have to use problems. And then when, but you, this week I'm taking cousins. I will too. It's my guy, Philip Rivers, but I'll take cousins. Uh, but when you exacerbate the the great quarterback problem that the Vikings face with the fact that their defense has a long way to go, it just it just makes the blueprint for winning that much more difficult. But um, we, I think we, I think we all have them bouncing back against the Colts and Philip Rivers this weekend. And if they don't, it becomes. Much tougher with some of those other quarterbacks on the horizon. Football. Hey, back to the Vikings discussion in just a moment, but a quick thank you and a shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has been a partner of us here at Score North since the inception about a year and a half ago and even going back to 1500 ESPN, so we appreciate their partnership. And a lot of business owners out there appreciate their Federated partnership. It helps tremendously and gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running your business to have a company like Federated standing by your side. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Football. So, uh, any other final thoughts on Kirk Cousins after one week in the season? Good luck to him. You like that? You like that? that? I like it. With uh, Pat Elfline at right guard. Good luck to you, Kirk. Hope you do well. Uh, Dex, if you could fire up some appropriate music here, we will go through... Football. Our first pigskin pecking order of the 2020 season. So, I don't think we did this... In 2019, so it's been two years since we've done this. Yeah, I think we discontinued it last on year. On Mackie and Judd, where we rank, and sometimes knee-jerk, mm-hmm. the 10 best teams from 10 to 1 in the NFL. And uh, we all have our own lists. I'll start us off. We'll okay. go Judd and then and then Dex, all right? Number 10, a team that 
maybe surprise some people over the weekend. I don't think they surprised us. You, you and I have had this team, this, the Arizona Cardinals, as a team to watch in 2020. A big win against San Francisco in week one. Kyler Murray running around making plays. DeAndre Hopkins with a huge first game in a Cardinals uniform. Uh, so I got the Cardinals as one of the 10 best teams in the NFL after week one. Number nine, New England Patriots. They still have Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels running the show there. Mm-hmm. Being creative offensively, they have a former MVP in Cam Newton who looked great in week one. They're allowing him to run. And now, is it sustainable? Can he run 15 times a game and not get injured? We'll see. But they can still play some defense. Uh, it's a team in transition, but I think I think everyone was really quick and excited to say, oh, well, the Patriots are cooked. I don't know if i go that far. I'm not sure if i go that far. Uh, the Titans... They uh, are my eight team here. They just have to get. We have to get used to the fact that they are just uh, mostly going to be tough to watch aesthetically. Like they're not going to. Like they're going to win games sixteen to fourteen. Steven Guskowski was great. Yeah, (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. They're just going to win a bunch of ugly games and probably finish like ten and six or something. But uh, I've got them as my eighth best team. They're a tough out almost every week. The Steelers are seven in my pigskin packing order. Their train wreck seasons are still eight and eight. Like last year, they used a. Backup quarterback, third string quarterback, Antonio Brown was gone, Le'Veon Bell was gone. It was a it was a down season for them, and they still finished like five hundred. And so now that Ben is back, they've got some weapons. They're probably playoff bound again. They win in the first week. Number six, the Packers. Mm. We saw it. Aaron Rodgers is not washed up. I'm Their struggling offense looked with this great. one. Yeah, wow. that's interesting. They smoked the Vikings. They deserve. I know, to be but in the, the Vikings defense played like it belonged in Division Three. And in part, Aaron Rodgers played like a Hall of Famer. Right, because he so. is against a Division Three defense. <laughs> I, I struggle with this one. So I got the Packers six. All right. The Niners are, even though they lost, the Niners are still five for me. I'm not, I'm not going to punish them too much for losing against what I think is a good team in, in Arizona. I'm giving them a mulligan after that week one performance. I also don't think they're going to be the only good team that loses to the Cardinals this year. So uh, Niners, number five. Okay. Number four, New Orleans Saints. The question, I think, is Drew Brees' durability over the course of 16 games. So we'll see if uh, the 40-year-old can hold up. Number three, everybody sleeping on this team going into the season. But the Seattle Seahawks looked great offensively in week one. Russell Wilson looks better than ever. They're giving him more opportunities to throw, it sounds like, this season. He's got weapons. He's got Jamal Adams on defense. Seattle Seahawks, number three. Ravens, number two. And the question, too, about sustainability running the ball. Like, can Lamar Jackson sustain this and not get hurt? Well, he ran only like seven or eight times and threw the ball 20 of 25 for 275 and three touchdowns. He so, also, he also I, I guess, spent a bunch of time trying to work on his uh, deeper passes and was very successful. And if he adds yeah. that, good luck to the rest of the National Football League if you're not the Chiefs. Like if you just took away the mobility and said, all right, you're just going to throw the ball. And I get yeah. 20 of 25 for 275 and three touchdowns every once in a while. You can win doing that, too. If he can hit the deep ball, though. Yep. Yeah. And number one, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs, who picked up yeah. right where they left off and that's still look like the team to beat in the NFL. So that's my pecking order. Go ahead again. Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks, Saints, 49ers, Packers, Steelers, Titans, Patriots, Cardinals. Football. Football. All right. So outside looking in for me from your list at the least, I've got the Titans outside looking in. Just can't do it yet. I can't. I can't. Just can't do it. I'm sorry. Okay. Packers as well. Wow. Packers were close, but. 13 and 3. Well, you the have to re- you, I know, but you have to remember that I think the division stinks. 
And so I'm going to go down kicking and screaming that this division is garbage. So you have no NFC North teams in your top 10. That'd be correct. Wow. Not unless I put the Lions or the uh, Bears in. No, everybody out. Everybody out of the pool. Mitch Trubisky. Everybody in the the North out of the pool. I don't like any of you right now. Number 10, the Saints. I think the Saints are going to be good. I think the Saints will be fine. I think the Saints, um, they didn't play a great game against Tampa. Fortunately for them, TB, as Declan has predicted, played worse than Drew Brees did. And so the Saints the Saints won a game in which Drew Brees admitted he played like garbage. But it's also week one of this weird year with no training camp, really, for the most part, and preseason games. So anyway, Saints number 10. Number nine, a team I think is going to rebound, and I think they're going to have a good year. And I think that their their head coach is good, Sean McVay, is the Rams. Yep. I'm putting the Rams back in here, and I think the Rams might accelerate up this list eventually. But for now, I'm going to leave them at number nine. Number eight, the Niners. This division, as bad as I believe that the NFC North is, I believe that the West is going to be equally as good. So I've got San Francisco eight. I've got Seattle seven. Here's the sneaky one I've I've got. I've got a few sneaky ones here, but it's week one, so it's fun. Number six, Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills. I don't like the quarterback, but the defense is legit. I'm not going to fight you on that. And he's got and and the quarterback has a weapon that he didn't previously have. So I guess I am willing to give the quarterback time to see if he can take that weapon and Stefan Diggs and build off of that. So the Bills, number six. Yeah, that's the team that I was probably the most like, should I put him in? I don't know. Number five, which I believe was uh, your number seven, Mr. Mackey, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I have the I have the Niners at at. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. At seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So I I think Pittsburgh's I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore are going to be neck and neck, and I think Pittsburgh, if Ben can stay healthy, is going to be a pretty damn good team. So I have them at five. Number four on my list. I am going to put the Patriots because I don't know what to make of them. I don't want to like them. <laughs> I don't think I didn't think that they were going to be good. But here's the Belichick thing that has that I can't decide. He might actually find a, a way if this guy can stay healthy to use Cam Newton really effectively all year. Like, he just came out and ran, and he looked good. And I think he's lost weight. He's in shape now. So it's also worth noting. I don't know know, what to make of the Patriots. I know that they've lost a lot of good players due to opting out and what have you. Yeah. They went 12-4 and last year. Mm -hmm. And the question is, and, and Tom Brady wasn't great last year. Correct. So what's the difference between totally different quarterbacks and different offensive styles in which you're going to implement but what's the difference between Tom Brady last year and Cam Newton this year in terms of like wins and losses, you know, and the value of the player? It's probably not. It might, Cam might even be more. Cam valuable. might be more valuable. That's I the point. Is. That, but that's a scary thing. And that's a twelve and fourteen. That, so let's say they they lost some, you know, they lost some non quarterback players and defensive players, right? Let's say that knocks them down from twelve and four to nine and seven or something. Sure. Can they does does Cam being healthy all year bring him back to ten and six? Like it's not probably, that hot of a take. It probably does. So Patriots four, number three, the Ravens. Number two, this is the hottest take of the week. Fight me on it. 
Arizona Cardinals. What? Dude, I'm going to be ahead of the curve. Dude. I'm ahead of the curve what? here. I'm going to be. I'm going to be ahead of the curve. What? I'm going to give you the Arizona Cardinals. I think wow. the Arizona Cardinals are coming, man. I I can't tell you how much I th- I love wow. Kyler Murray, who I I picked on. Write that down to be a top three in the MVP. I th- and DeAndre Hopkins. Wow. They were gifted him. They were gifted this wide receiver who's better than Stephon Diggs. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game. And I love the, how you jump. You just jump right from like, yeah, they're like the eighth best team now. It's crazy to no, screw it. They're better I'm than the Ravens. Yes. They're better than the it's Ravens. It's after week they're one. The Ravens. It's after week one of a weird year. Yes, I'm going there. <laughs> I'm going to be. You're all, you're all going to look back the at Ravens. me in February. And ho- hopefully we've completed the season by then. You're all going to look back at me in February and been like, unbelievable week one. You said the Cardinals. I but, Okay, so this is ridiculous. I love it because I also... skin pecking order I've needs got him in the 10. this. But here's the thing, all right? So I can't believe I'm fighting this right now. But you ha- you're saying the Cardinals are better than the Ravens. Well, Lamar Jackson's better than Kyler Murray. Unless you're going to fight that. Are you fighting that? I'm saying Kyler Murray's coming. And I'm saying that as a team, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be so, good. Lamar I, Jackson's okay, better than Kyler okay. Murray. The rest of the roster, like the, the Browns got destroyed, destroyed by the Ravens. Think of it in the... Yeah, but again, it's the Browns. The, yeah. the Vikings defense, D3. The entire Browns team, D3. Think of it in this way. I am getting ahead of the game here, okay? I love how you've referred I'm to the getting... Vikings defense as D3 when they have Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks out there still. Like, and you know what? Totally Caruso at St. Thomas would cut him. St. John's would cut him after the way that they played. Anthony Harris was atrocious. His PFF grade, I guess, was off the charts bad. Anyway, Arizona Cardinals, two. Don't thank me now. Thank me later. And then... One is right. bo- one is boring. It's just the, it's it got, is boring. It That's can't fine. not be the Chiefs, and I wish it. I wish I could debate it, but I can't. All right, Declan, it's your turn. All right. Football. Football. I am high on the Chiefs. I'm I'm not as bullish as Judd. I'm right in locks up with Phil. They're number ten for me in on the Cardinals. The, the Cardinals, excuse me, the Cardinals. Yes, oh my God, the Cardinals are, are number ten. That <laughs> would have been a hot that's take. a hot take. That would have been a hot take. I like it. Arizona Cardinals at number ten. Kyler Murray's coming. I agree, but I I can't put him number two. Uh, number nine. Jared Goff and the Rams. They had an impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. I know there was a questionable pass interference call, but I, I think we are sleeping a bit on the Rams. I don't know if they'll be a Super Bowl favorite like they were two years ago, but they impressed me, and they're number nine. New England Patriots, number eight. Cam Newton uh, made a very nice start for them, and yes, even though Bill Belichick, we all thought he was going to be tanking for Trevor Lawrence, I don't think so. I think uh, New England's going to be pretty formidable this year in the AFC. Seven is the Pittsburgh Steelers, although I thought Ben Roethlisberger would regress and not come back to being Big Ben? Well, I was wrong. Like always, he is still Big Ben. The Steelers are still very good, and they are number seven. I have the Titans six, and this is maybe a little too high on them, but if you take away, like, Gotzkowski missed, what, four field goals, right? Three field goals and And an an extra extra point. point, And an extra point. So even if he made two of those, like, the Titans win that game more handily than the score looks. Like, the Titans were essentially in control of that game if Gotzkowski, who is usually money and is a Hall of Fame kicker, makes those kicks. So I have them as number six. The New Orleans Saints at number five. Drew Brees uh, still is very, very good. He dominated Tom Brady, who uh, these Buccaneers are nowhere near in the top ten. The Seattle Seahawks, number four. Russell Wilson was damn near perfect against the Falcons. And then I have the Green Bay Packers at number three on these NFL power rankings. Yes, uh, Judd claims it was a D3 defense against that he was playing against. He, But Aaron Rodgers was absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, And they still have great pass rushers. So they are number three on my power rankings. And then two and one are obvious ones. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are number two, Kansas City Chiefs at one. So one through ten, I have the Chiefs, Ravens, Packers, Seahawks, Saints, Titans, Steelers, Patriots, Rams, Cardinals.
football. So just to get this straight, this is why I love the pickskin packing order, the overreaction. So Judd has... Judd has the Arizona Cardinals as the number two team number in the NFL. Number two team, ahead of and, the curb. And Declan has last year's NFC representative in the Super Bowl. Out. Who led by, like, what, 15, 20 points or something in the second half? Out of the top out. 10. I'm out. The NFL, the pigskin tag order, man. That's a hot take right there, Dex. I like that, yeah. Let's think about putting Gardner you know Minshew in those Jaguars. It's man, after week one. Not if yet. you're ever going to go bold, this is the week because we don't know a lot right. about teams. Sure. I, I love it. I thought about putting the Patriots third. I should have put the Patriots third. Well, I put a fourth. So. Like, look at all the evidence. I, no, I know these people. These people who are just ready to say, "Oh, the Buffalo Bills are going to go thirteen and three now that the <laughs> Patriots." Like, wait a second, did Bill Belichick die? Like, well, and there's and there's there's two questions that are important to me. One is, has Belichick found a way to use Cam? where Cam's going to be Cam again, which the answer could be yes, right? The second question is, and this is going to take a year plus pr- probably to play out and for us to find out, how is Bill cheating? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. But, I mean, seriously, if, if, if he's, he's, he's the master at finding the workaround. Uh, it, is, it is a valid question. So, I don't yes, know. Yes, it is. So, I put him forth. So, that is your pigskin pecking order Football. here. Football. On Purple Daily with Mackie and Judd. That was fun to be back. It's a great, fun little little hot takey segment. Yeah, <laughs> really I really enjoyed it. You can find. Oh, by the way, uh, so we've got two podcasts. We've got Purple Daily, and then we also have Mackie and Judd, where we did our write that down predictions. A lot of Viking stuff in there this week, and we talked about uh, the the Twins getting shellacked again by the White Sox. <laughs> And uh, we also had some Timberwolves thoughts off of the two NBA playoff games last night. A little Jimmy Butler envy. So if you aren't already subscribed via Apple, Spotify, or scorenorth.com to uh, Mackie and Judd, you can check us out there, too, if you are a Minnesota sports fan and your love for Minnesota sports goes beyond the Vikings. So thanks for hanging out with us here on Purple Daily, and we will see you guys tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.